Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It is Wednesday, and you know Wednesday at 5 o'clock we do prayer series. We've been at it for a while. It's been a wonderful time to learn, study God's Word, study prayer, and just do some praying. So we're going to be joined today. Dr. Peter Kapsner is on our studio line. Peter, good afternoon. Hello there, Bill. Uh, specifically excited for today with yeah. the guests that we have coming up on this one, too. Let's amp up the energy a little bit. Hey, Peter, how are you? Hey, Bill. Yeah, I'm pretty well. <laughs> you, gave, you? you gave me the same energy level. I, I don't know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but our, our guest our guest today is uh, Fuad Masri. He is the founder of the Crescent Project. In the, in the last 10 years, he's equipped 321,000 Christians to reach 1.6 million Muslims with the love of Christ. He's authored 14 books. He's a teacher and a speaker, and he has a master's degree in theological studies from Fuller. And we're so delighted he can join us. Fuad, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be with you guys. Yeah. So uh, Peter and I have been doing this for about six months, and I think it's been uh, transformational, Peter. I've learned so much about prayer, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we talked to Fuad about what is it like for a Muslim to pray? And is it an academic prayer, or is it, or is it a spiritual, heartfelt connection? Uh, yeah, this is a, it's a very important question because... Many times the terminology between Islam and Christianity can be similar. So, um, sorry, you want me to start over? No, go on? continue. No, oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, the clock. The clock started ringing. No, the idea is so uh, uh, like the clock rings and reminds you of the time in Islam. They have something that they call times of salat, times of prayer. The word salat comes from the uh, Syriac, means to bow down or to prostrate. So in Islam, the times of prayer are sunrise, which means when you can tell the colors black and white, that's sunrise, then noon, then two hours afternoon, then sunset, when uh, you cannot recognize white from black color, and then uh, nighttime, which is two hours after sunset. Now, this is the only time you can do prayer to God. That's the only time you can do salat. And, and so it's to, we Muslims will say to Christians, hey, we pray five times a day. How many times you pray a day? Uh, my favorite story is about this lady in Damascus that she was talking to a Christian. She told her, we pray five times a day. Uh, how many times you pray? And she said, oh, we pray all the time. She told her, well, I've never seen you bow towards Rome. We mm. bow towards Mecca. How come you, because a Christian, don't bow towards Rome? And the Christian lady says, no, 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 when we pray, there is no set time. We can pray anytime, <laughs> anywhere. And, and uh, that's what brought this Muslim lady to faith, is that for the first time it dawned on her that the word prayer in Islam is different than the word prayer in Christianity. And so in Islam, Allah is the master, you are the slave. Your prayer is not something from your words. You have to repeat the first chapter of the Quran. It's seven verses. 
uh, and it's you repeat that in Arabic, even if you are not an Arab, even if you don't speak Arabic, you must learn it, memorize it, and you repeat it as you're doing your prostrations, as you do your kneeling. So in Christianity, prayer is a conversation with God. It's a heartfelt conversation, like like when you read the Psalms of David, like when Jesus said, when you pray, you start our Father who are in heaven. There's a conversation with the Heavenly Father. In Islam, it's just reciting the same over and over, which creates a problem for us in Islam, which is, is God hearing me? If God created me and I don't speak Arabic, why do I need to use Arabic? If God created all these people around, why don't why doesn't he let him talk to to him and pray to him in their own native language? So if I'm from Africa, I still have to learn Arabic. I can't use my own uh, native tongue. If I'm from Europe, I have to use Arabic. If I'm from Asia, from you know uh, Indonesia, I have to learn Arabic. And that's now the the idea is prayer is a uniform. It's a uniformity the way we do it all together. Uh, however, in Christianity we have the diversity. I can pray standing. I can pray sitting. I can, I can pray if I'm in prison. I can pray if I'm on Pikes Peak, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's a it's a presence of God with me. In I love how our Savior said, "When you pray, you always start our Father who art in heaven." It's this idea that I'm speaking to a loving Father, not to a master. The relationship of the prayer is based on love, not fear. I'm not the slave. Of God, I am His child. It's a totally different understanding of prayer. I'm so curious as you're talking about prayer in this way. Uh, as people of the Islamic faith pray, is there any sort of expectation that they might also then be experiencing the presence of God in prayer as Christians might, or is it more sort of a, a movement of obedience only? What What would be sort of the expectation when somebody is doing this five times a day? No, it's very very important when they end their prayer. Once you end your salat, you must look to the right and say "Assalamu alaikum," and then you look to the left and you say "Assalamu alaikum." Now, in a mosque, you think, "Oh, they're greeting each other," until you find out, no, they do that even when they are alone. So we ask the, the imam or the Muslim, well, "Wait a second, you're alone. Why did you end with the greeting on the right, on the left?" Well, they are greeting the angel on the right who keeps track of your good works, and the angel on the left, who keeps track of your bad works, so that on judgment day, your good works and bad works are put on a scale, whichever way the scale tips, you go to heaven or to hell. Uh, If any of the listeners have ever looked at hieroglyphs or documents on how the Egyptians saw judgment day, they usually have a scale, and there's the, the god with the with a fox, with the head of fox, and there's a there's a god with an alligator fo- uh, head. These are the people that would put your heart and weigh your heart if it's worth to go to heaven or to be uh, uh, to be eaten by that uh, crocodile-headed uh, god. It's very similar, and that's one of the struggles with Islam is it borrowed a lot from the religions around them. So the understanding of Judgment Day is that it's a works-based. So your action of prayer. And by the way, we started talking about Salat, but when you talked about before you do Salat, you have to do ablutions. So it says you, the way you push the water 
between your fingers, the way you put water in your ears, how you snort water in your nose, in your mouth, how you do all the rituals of the wudu, that is part of the good works. So I am not really talking to God. One, God is transcendent. I am a creature. He's the creator. There is no relationship between us. I'm just coming in to show God I'm doing exactly that what Prophet Muhammad said, which is very important for us as Christians. The role of Muhammad ends when they start their ablution. All they're doing is mimicking Muhammad. While in Christianity, the role of Jesus has to be there so that we can have prayer. That's why you pray our Father, right? You pray to God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of the Son. It is powerful. You and I cannot communicate to, to God Almighty because He's holy, holy, holy. He's the judge. He's the most powerful. But His mercy was through Jesus. So that's why I can come to God as a sinner washed by the blood because the role of Jesus is the only action when I pray. If there's no role of Jesus, all I'm doing is I'm making an appeal. If I, it doesn't matter if I'm American or Chinese or, or Korean or uh, Muslim. If I'm standing praying to God, I'm making an appeal because the sin is what uh, is the veil between us. And that's the power. Does God hear our prayer? Yes, yes, he hears everybody's prayer. Absolutely. He's almighty, omnipresent, omniscient. But the concept we're talking about, not hearing prayer in the sense of an appeal. We're talking about does he hear prayer of someone who believes in him? And that's the, the power of the gospel that you and I are now a child of God. We are talking to a father who yearns to hear our voice. And that's different understanding of prayer. Mm, boy, you know, I think of being starving and getting five bowls of water soup a day. And because my fellowship with the Lord is so rich and you feel so loved. And, and when you're talking to Muslims and you want to share the love of Christ with them, you, the, the idea that they can communicate with God and God will speak to them through his word, that must just be inconceivable to them. Exactly. That's why many times when you come into a sermon, and the, the pastor stands up and says, you know, I was praying about my message, and I felt that God's telling me to do that. In the Muslim mind, it's like, what? God doesn't talk to you? You're not a prophet. You're just an American pastor. How can you talk to God? Uh, you know, it's, it's this uh, lady who was uh, tortured by the ISIS in, in uh, northern Syria. I think it was Michaela or something. Uh, the struggle, they, uh, she said, God called me to come here and, and help the refugees. And that's, that's like, what, what do you mean? You're a woman. God is not going to talk to you. You're not a prophet. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and this is, the, this is where the gospel is counterculture. The gospel is, is, does not follow the, the, the tradition of society. God, God appointed Deborah at a time where, you know, there was no other judges. He said, Deborah, you are the judge of Israel. God appoints uh, the, the daughters of Philip, and they were prophets. It wasn't about the moral uh, it wasn't sorry. It wasn't about the norms of the society. It was about God's calling His His people to take a stand and share the good news. So uh, for us, this is a beautiful way that we, that we're talking about prayer. Uh, My prayer to Heavenly Father, someone who doesn't only knows what I need, because the the Bible says God knows, but He wants to hear our voice. It's like when my children were little and we're at Target 
I knew they're going to ask for a toy, but <laughs> I waited till they asked me for the toy. I wanted to hear my son and my daughter ask me for that toy, whether it's a Lego Lego guy or or a uh, what was that Polly Pocket? My daughter likes Polly Pocket, so I knew she's going to ask. I knew my boy is going to ask. My son now they're they're older now in their twenties, but when they were, uh, I knew this their heart's desire, but I wanted them to ask me. This is the difference between prayer in Islam, a, a slave to a master, and a prayer in the teachings of Jesus in the gospel in Christianity that you are talking to a father who loves you, cares for you, who wants to hear your voice because you are his his son, you are his daughter. All right, Fuad, I'm I'm learning the lesson. So, can I borrow five hundred bucks? <laughs> For what? <laughs> well, you always said it's a wait to ask. So I thought, well, I'll just ask. <laughs> no, I'm I kidding. Father. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll take a short break. We'll be back with Fuad Masri, our special guest on our prayer series. Dr. Peter Kapster and I are so glad to be hosting him. You can go to thecrescentproject.org to learn more about Fuad and his amazing ministry. Be right back. Welcome to the prayer series. Dr. Peter Kapster and I are hosting Fuad Masri today. He is crescentproject.org. Learn all about his very amazing ministry. Um, so, Fuad, I wrote down during the break the word fear. It seems like there's a lot of fear associated uh, in Islam. Yes, and it, just to make sure as people listen to this program, uh, there is a movement in Islam that started in the 11th century called the Sufis. And the Sufis were Muslims interacting with Christian monks. And they tried to uh, bring spirituality in Islam, which sometimes you read that it, it's like, okay, fun. You know, like uh, there's a guy called the Rumi, Al-Hallaj, who started talking about loving God for who he is and not feeding him and not attaining heaven in the sense because of good works. But Jesus says something very powerful. And Jesus says, you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. So what happened to the Sufis, they were, they were accused as being a cult. Until now, it's the 21st centuries, there are communities that you will be killed if you be join a tariqa. A tariqa means a road or a path hmm. to experience Sufism. Uh, I mean, to do Sufism, to experience ecstasy with God and all that terminology they use. It's a, it's a hodgepodge of maybe a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Christianity. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is that sometimes you might be talking to a Muslim who might come across with this idea of, you know, oh, yeah, I love God. I don't have to go to the mosque. I can do a dua. Dua means an appeal. And, and that's fine. That's great. But you have to remember it's because Islamic... Uh, Prayer is so dry. You're repeating the same verses, the same words in Arabic over and over. So there is a there's this dryness of uh, of uh, of relationship with God, and there is fear absolutely. And and uh, what happens is you're really doing the prayer as a way to avoid the punishment of God. Um, think of it this way. 
that God is the source of good and evil. So I want to always appease God so his evil side or his, his cursing or striking. And the last couple of chapters of the Quran are about uh, cursing and, and warding of jinn, demonic activity. Well, in Christianity, God is good. He's good all the time. God is holy in his will for our planet. See, so for you and I, the Bible repeatedly says, you know, the thoughts of God are for us to prosper, to be good, not prosper for his kingdom, not prosper so, you know, we can buy, you know, a Learjet. I mean, that's not, sometimes Americans, I think, misunderstand the word that prosper. They think that, that God is, is our bank account, although I'm not saying God will not bless us uh, financially. I'm just saying God's ways and God's thoughts are for us to be part of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different it's a different equation. It's uh, and so I'm not trying to pray to God so I get you know the new car. I, I'm praying for God because I want to know Him. I want to be be His child, talking to Him. I'm I'm yes, I'll bring Him my needs. I'll bring Him my frustrations, absolutely. But He wants me to be whole. He wants me to be uh, uh, enjoying this journey with Him, with all its. Uh, ups, um, ups and downs and rivers and valleys and mountains and you know so it's a total understanding of prayer the, the fear of the Lord there is out of awe out of his power out of his goodness and not fear like saying oh he might strike me God might strike me and that's that's where I think Jonah missed the whole point because he went he went to Nineveh first he ran away but Jonah gets to Nineveh and He's waiting for this big bonfire to happen. And he's like, no, God did not. Because one third of the city repented, which means basically the whole city heard. Because <laughs> he only marched one day. It's a three-day three, three day walk. And the beautiful thing about Jonah, he was upset. He's like, you know, Lord, why did you not strike him? And, <laughs> and you know, he misunderstood the whole story that God's heart is for, for the nations. God's heart for redeeming people. And, and you remember the story where the... What is that plant that grew and then died? And the final verse in Jonah is powerful. He says, if you were sad that this plant died, that was giving you shade, how much more I should take care of all this multitude of humans? And then he says, and livestock, the bees. Like It's it's a powerful understanding that God cares for all creation. Mm -hmm. He cares for the city itself. And so what you're saying is so powerful for us today as Christians is our relationship is based on love with God. We, we, it's not fear in the sense of fear of his striking us, but rather if the fear of the Lord being the, 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 awe, the awesomeness of God, the, the, the way you look at yourself, uh, like right now where I love, uh, I love uh, looking at space uh, exploration. I see pictures from Mars and you look like, man, we are so small as a people you know and this is the on the awesomeness of god and you have this spirit of awe saying this is yes i fear the lord lord thank you for creating thank you for saving me Uh, i bring you this this problem the financial problem i bring you maybe this problem my uh, wife my husband my my family my uh, career maybe my children it's a different understanding of prayer than the fear there is not being afraid from him, him striking, but rather know that he's the sovereign Lord. He's on the throne. 
as you talk about uh, the Jonah story going to Nineveh as well, and, and you are obviously sharing the gospel on a very regular basis among the Muslim people, and I'm curious what role you find in the connection between uh, prayer and evangelism as you're doing that kind of work. Yeah, th- thanks. Uh, this is um, really uh, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus says in it, uh, verse 35 on, it says that Jesus looked and saw the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he had compassion. And the compassion, he looks at his disciple and says, the harvest is plentiful, therefore ask. And now, you know, because I'm an evangelist, I love to share the gospel, I forget that Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but what am I supposed to do first is not go. He said the first thing, ask. So we believe as a ministry, and I've seen that, is number one, we ask people to pray for Muslims. Pray for Muslims even if you don't know them. If you know someone, pray for them by name. A prayer is like an oven. You see, if I'm going to make bread, I take the dough, I put the yeast, I knead the thing, and then when, it, when the dough rises, then I put it in the oven. But I have to raise the temperature of the oven so I can get bread. Prayer is like an oven. So I might have a friend, Mustafa, or I might have a friend, Aisha, or Jamili, or whoever. I can start praying for them by name. I can start praying, Lord, give them a dream about Jesus. Let them ask me about you. Uh, help me be wise how to speak to them. Uh, Lord, give me a chance to show them welcome and love. So when you start praying, God is moving. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of prayer. It, it's like raising the temperature of the oven. We started with 25 people asking them to pray with us every Friday at noon for Muslim people. Now we've broken 24,000 and we're trusting hundreds of thousands who say, we want to pray for Muslims. We are part of a movement called 30 Days of Prayer that we start during Ramadan. Ramadan is going to begin soon. Well, we're asking Christians during Ramadan when Muslims are fasting is every day to pray for them. And people say, do you think prayer works? It does, because these movements started way back in the 80s, you know, in the 1980s. Some of us listening might not have been born in the 1980s. But the beautiful thing is we have never seen such curiosity among Muslims. The last 15 years, more Muslims have become followers of Jesus than the previous 1400 centuries. And I believe number one reason is people were praying for Iran, praying for Algeria, praying for Saudi, praying for Indonesia praying for Djibouti, praying for people, groups, and countries who are Muslim. So yes, prayer goes hand-in-hand with evangelism. And I always, always, after I talk about Jesus with a Muslim, I always, when I leave, I pray. If I can pray with them, I do, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something we see has changed. Um, Many Muslims welcome when a Christian wants to pray for them. It's amazing. Be like, please pray for us. Yeah, Fuad, we need to take a little break. Uh, Fuad Masri is my guest. Go to Crescent project.org if you have a question about uh, maybe praying with a muslim or reaching them for christ i know he'd be more than happy to answer your question 877-933-2484 dr peter kapsner and i will be right back with our special guest fuad masri It's the afternoon. 
to the prayer series. Our special guest is Fuad Masri. He is from the crescentproject.org. He's the founder. And I just had a nice note, Fuad, from a listener said, when I ask Muslim people how Ramadan is going, their eyes light up and it just opens up a conversation. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> the, reason it's, uh, uh, the reason they light up because there's an interest in their faith. Now, uh, what I love about Savior Jesus he met different people from different walks of life. Some were Jewish, some were Gentiles. Some people like Zacchaeus, they were very bad Jewish people. I mean, he was <laughs> cheating his own people for the Romans. And in our Savior, it's amazing. He showed interest. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. He didn't, he didn't tell him your you know, theology of hell, the theology of, of judgment day, the theology of sin. He just said, hey, I'm coming to your house. And the beautiful thing about not only Zacchaeus gets saved, he does restitution, which is powerful. Mm. And you know that when he returned the money, that people got saved. And we are seeing this happening today in the ministry among Muslims. Uh, I, was, I was in Beirut with a, with a ministry to refugees, and this man had hurt his family. He repented and went, found every person he hurt, seven people in his family, found them and apologized and told them, I'm now a follower of Jesus. I want to say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Now, what happened is it became a buzz across the family. So when you ask a Muslim, how's Ramadan going? Or Ramadan Mubarak means God bless you. Or sometimes we ask them, hey, would you like to break fast together? You can love someone without agreeing with them. See, as Christians, we disagree with Islam. Islam has a lot of problems. Islam is a problem for the Muslim world. But Muslims are the ones we want to love. So, yes, I can break bread with a Muslim, even if I disagree with them. It's okay. Jesus said with Zacchaeus. Jesus said with Nicodemus. Jesus said, uh, Jesus talked to the Pharisees, who he disagreed with them, but he was able to show love to them. And this is our goal. I love this. Thank you for the listener who reached out. And uh, we encourage them to give him a Bible during this time. Uh, or you can give them a booklet called Adhan Injil that explains why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I'd be curious if uh, you and I were actually chatting uh, during the break during this uh, question related to whether or not Christians and Muslims are praying to the same God. And I, and I know it comes up a lot in my classes. It certainly came up in some of my educational work that that was just an off-recited question. Well, what does it matter if you're Muslim or Christian? We're both praying to the same God. How, how do you address that? Does that come up in your ministry? Yes, it does. And uh, there's a whole chapter on it in the book, Ambassadors to Muslims. And uh, um, it's also part of a uh, section uh, two in the Bridges study. The Bridges study is an app that they can download or it can you can go through it on our website. It's a, a six... Uh, lessons on how, what is Islam and how to begin a conversation with them. But uh, let me share a little bit on this because I grew up in the Middle East and in church, when we use the word God, we use the word Allah in Arabic. We don't use the word G-O-D because it's an English word. So many times when I came moved to America, there's an understanding and we argue that, that we argue is Allah God in a way that's a little bit, it's very, uh, uh, simplistic. God is an English word, 
and Allah is an Arabic word. The real name of God is Yahweh. So if are you saying is Allah Yahweh? That's a different conversation. Now we have to look on the character. What is the character of God in the Quran, the book of Islam? What is the character of God in the Bible? And let's see, are they the same? Now, so if a Muslim is praying, is he praying to the God of the Bible? Well, there is no other God. <laughs> I mean, there is no Buddha. There is no Krishna up there. So anytime somebody prays, anytime he's making an appeal, the God of the universe who created us, from Adam and Eve, who created all these people, he hears them. Yes, their prayers are coming to them. Now, the issue is not on that side. The issue is not is God on the is the God of the Bible the one hearing them. The issue is what is the person praying to whom is he praying? How does he see that God? That's the difference. So when I study the Hinduism, my prayer to Krishna in Hinduism. My understanding of God as a Krishna is not the biblical understanding. When I study in Islam, the understanding of Allah in Islam is not the biblical understanding. So on, from the side of the person requesting, from the person who's praying, he is not praying to the same God in the sense of understanding, uh, the same understanding. Even I'll, I'll push the issue right now. Many times you talk to people who are raised in a, uh, in a nominal Christian home. When they say they're praying, they're not praying like you and I, as people who know Christ personally as Savior. Then many times it's a, it's a prayer of luck. Uh, or people say to me, oh, I'll, I'll pray for you, Fahad, as if like it's a statement you make. There's no, it's not the idea of praying that I'm talking to you. So the issue is, one, on one side, there is no other God except Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth. He, he hears everybody, absolutely. But the sin separates him from people. The sin separates him. That's why uh, the Bible says God is not hearing your prayers because you're repeating them and your sin has been a separation between you and him. Does that make sense? In yeah. the spiritual realm. Now, I, I want to conclude this with one thing, which I love how God is so good. According to Islam, they say they are an Abrahamic faith. Now, when you study Islam, you find... It has nothing to do with Abraham, except that he was the forefather of, of the Arabs through Ishmael. But they say they're Abrahamic faith, and they teach their Muslims that the God they worship is the same God of the Jews or the Christians. Now, when you look in the Quran, you find it's different. However, what a blessing that in Islam, they teach their children, they teach their men and women, that when they are praying, they are praying the same God, of Moses, Abraham, and Jesus. Hmm. So what a powerful way to say to my Muslim friend, hey, can I pray for a blessing? So, so now it's already the platform is set for us to be able to communicate. And, and uh, I believe like Jesus, uh, 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 like uh, is it um, in Acts where Paul says, uh, God has not left himself without a witness. So right there in the teaching of Islam, millions, 1.8 billion Muslims are taught that the God they are worshiping is the same God of the Christians and the Jews. Now, yeah, they teach them that we corrupted the Bible, whatever. But the point is, we're already starting on a common situation, on a common uh, uh, ground between us that we can begin the conversation saying, hey, let's pray to God. And um, um, the, the, the shift is now in a wonderful way where you enter a home and say, can I pray a prayer of blessing? Um, our staff who's working with refugees in, in the Midwest uh, just called me on Monday. 
to tell me that they went to lunch with a Muslim lady. She's a hijabi. And the hijabi wanted to talk to our staff because our staff used to be a Sunni Muslim. Now she's a believer in Jesus. She wanted to talk to her about how did she leave Islam and become a Christian. So our team member said to her, why are you asking a question? She goes, well, I've been having visions and dreams of Jesus. And I want to talk to you. Why is Jesus appearing me? I'm a Sunni Muslim. So why is Jesus appearing me? And it's what a great way <laughs> to begin a conversation about Jesus' love and Jesus' salvation. Lovely. Um, Fuad, you know, when I, when I pray, it fills me with hope. So if you are petitioning God to have a result at the end of your life, and you're not having true intimacy because you can't, and if a person has sinned too much and it's not possible to be purified from these sins because you're not praying five times a day, where's the hope? You know, the Bible says they left me, the living water, and dug to, the, to themselves uh, cracked wells that do not hold water. That's a typical description today of the religiousness of Islam. There's no hope. My brother, mm. even even the hadith, when the Prophet Muhammad was asked, are you going to heaven? He goes, I don't know. Only God knows. Uh, while Muhammad is dead and buried, and when you go to Hajj, to pilgrimage, you visit his tomb. For us, Jesus has risen from the dead. His tomb is empty. We will celebrate Easter, but Easter for us is every Sunday. Every Sunday we remember that Jesus who was prophesied to die on the cross, be buried, and raised on the third day. We have a hope like no other person, that the resurrection happens because our Redeemer has risen. So there is no hope. And the reason I wanted to share this with you is that many times you go to the Middle East. I have a book in my office that I bought in uh, Damascus. It, the title of the book, Prayers That God Will Answer. It's these canned one-line or two-line prayers that you say after your salat. Uh, and it, one of them, if you're going on a trip, you recite these two lines. If you're uh, buying a house, you recite these two lines. If a baby is born, you recite these two lines. Uh, uh, you know. And then uh, there's a book I got from uh, Nigeria. It has the names of God in Arabic. And it says, you know, after you do your salat, if you repeat this name of God, usually the names of God is like more the characteristics, like Allahul Hakim means the God who is wise. Allahul Quddus, God is holy. Allahur Rahim, God is merciful. So they would, they would take those names, there are 99 names, and you would recite them. <laughs> One of them, it says, if you, if somebody is sick, you take this name and you recite it. You say it 1,000 times over a cup of water, and then you give the water to the patient, and he will be healed. So you are right. There's no hope. So there's all these human efforts to somehow create a system that works. You know, Well, if we use the names of God, maybe it works. Um, uh, in our Sahara Challenge training, uh, it happens once a year. It's, it's an online training. We mentioned a little bit on magic and mysticism in Islam, where they recite something or they write something. Uh, sometimes they write something on a piece of paper, dip it in the cup of water, and then the person has to drink it. It's all these things that you have to do, hoping all these things to do, trying to somehow appease God to uh, uh, do what you're asking him to do. Uh, we see that even in Hinduism, where a lot of the prayers are written on a cylinder, and all you have to do is spin the cylinder as if these prayers are going up to this 
God. And so when people say to me, are they praying to the same God? Well, there is no other God up, up there. But when they're spinning that wheel, that wheel is not sending prayers to Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth. That wheel is going to a figment of their imagination called Krishna or Shiva or or uh, uh, Ganesh or whatever. And that's where it, it's it, the church needs to know the word so we can be uh, just judges. So instead of me arguing with a Muslim, is Allah God? I say with him, can I tell you about the God of the Bible? Can I tell you the Allah of the Bible? Um, what is it? Ten days ago, I had coffee with the uh, Albanian Muslim who became a follower of Jesus. They gave him a Bible, and he was so offended. And he told his friend, he says, why are you giving me a Bible? I'm a Muslim. Uh, I don't want to become, I don't leave my religion. And my friend said to him, his friend told him, I'm not going to change religion. I'm not going to read the, about the God of the Bible because you've never read the Bible. So he starts reading Matthew, and he said to me, I get a sermon a month, and I could not get over how the Jesus of the Bible is not even the Jesus I've even heard of. I thought Jesus was a statue in, in some kind of Catholic church. And, and the, that's the beauty. He's now a believer, follower of Jesus, been wow. 15 years, follower of Christ. But it started by somebody giving him the understanding of the God of the Bible. Beautiful. We'll take a little break. Fuad Masri is our guest. During our prayer series, uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are so glad to be hosting him. If you've had a question regarding uh, ministry to a, a Muslim, you can let us know what that question is, 877-933-2484. Be right back. with Fuad Masri, and we are talking about prayer, as we always do on Wednesdays with Dr. Peter Kapsner and I. Uh, Fuad, I've been thinking about just the posture and the the, the idea that um, when you're worshiping, you you can't, uh, in the Muslim faith, um, have your, your hands toward the sky. Um, you can't look to the sky and pray. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of requirements that have to be fulfilled, and then not to mention you're having a busy day and you, you miss one of five prayer periods. How do you deal with that guilt and all of that? Yes, um, in Islam, they say God understands. So if you miss one of the prayer times, you can make it up. So uh, some of the prayer times you have to kneel once, twice, three times, and four times. In Muhammad's tradition, uh, he said the tradition says that he always added an extra one. So if the prayer time in the morning demanded three, he would do four. And, um, and because remember, it's works. He's mm-hmm. what what the Prophet is showing Allah that I can I'm doing this correctly, consistently, and I'm adding more. So you know, kind of you add the good deeds that will replace bad deeds. Um, so if you miss the morning one, you can make it up at noon. Most Muslims, if they do the prayer and they're busy at work, they would keep all the prayers to the end of the day and pray with them. 
There was a case in Indianapolis where the taxi cab drivers at the airport wanted to have their own mosque in the airport, so they have to pray. But in reality, they don't need that. It was more, I mean, they can, but Islam is very clear. When you cannot perform the prayer, it's okay. God understands. You can do them at home. Many times, Muslim women don't go to the mosque on purpose because they don't want to be there and there are strangers and men they don't know. So they would do the prayer time at home or at night. So many times uh, uh, the, the Islam in America, sometimes it's used more for like, I don't know, show or political agenda. But when you study Islam, you find that it is a pragmatic religion. And the times of prayer, it's okay. If you miss them, you can make them up. It's all right. Uh, even if it says if you're traveling, you don't have to pray until you get back and you make up the prayer. So if there are five times of prayer, I want to do four every time, that's 20. So I just, at home, at nighttime, I'll do the prayers. I'll do 20 kneelings and 20 recitations of Al-Fatiha, 20 recitations of the first chapter. And, and the, uh, one of the things that sometimes in ministry that can be frustrating is that all Muslims are not the same. They come from Asia, they come from Africa, they come from Europe, they come from countries that have had Islam maybe uh, uh, mixed with their uh, culture for so many years. So like you meet Afghans, they tell you, I'm Afghan, so I'm a Muslim. They never, they never have an option. They never even thought of having an option. So, so uh, what I'm like our our listeners to know that prayer helps us pray for them, but also when you're talking to them and you listen, now you can pray better or, or pray more uh, in a way that's uh, 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 clear. Like if I've, I know that my, my neighbor is doing the prayer because uh, her husband is on a, travel, on a business trip, then I can pray for that business trip. And I can say to my neighbor, hey, you know, I mentioned, my wife and I mentioned your husband on this trip, and we pray that God will bless his business, you know. So when the, the husband comes back, she's going to say, oh, my neighbors, believers in Jesus, prayed for us. That's a huge uh, uh, win for us as believers because they're going to see that we believe in a God who answers, and we see that we believe in a God that welcomes all, all people. I'd be curious if you could talk a bit, too, about the role of prayer in Muslim families. Is it a family affair at times? Is it just uh, purely a private affair? How does, how does the practice work throughout the day? It, it varies between uh, family and family. Uh, the tendency is, uh, as the kids are younger, is to do a prayer time together, uh, probably on a Friday or Friday night. Uh, sometimes they would do it every day, depending on how much the father is involved. And because it's a uh, ritualistic prayer, usually they have to find where is Mecca, the direction of Mecca. Uh, they face it, usually have a carpet or a specific part of the house where you know it's designated for prayer. And they would do the kneeling together. Usually somebody has to step forward and be the leader of the prayer. So usually it's the dad who steps forward. Um, they might do a call to prayer, which is something... Uh, um, and uh, basically it was um, invented by an African slave who uh, was set free by Muhammad. And um, it, probably he was Orthodox Christian. We're not sure much about him, but he was the first person who said, I'm going to call everybody to pray. And then the, the Muhammad led the people in the kneeling. So the, 
the person, the reason the person steps forward is that the people on the back can uh, kneel at the same time with that person. So it's like a, it's like a leader. Uh, so if he, when he bows, everybody bows. When he, the knees hit the ground, everybody's knees are hitting the ground. When his forehead hits the carpet, everybody's foreheads hit the carpet. Um, so that's why. And then sometimes, uh, uh, it maybe as the kids grow, they don't want to do that together. You know, it's just typical like any other family. You know, uh, faith is important for us, but and it's very important for them. Uh, one of the good books to read is by Nabil Qureshi, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Mm-hmm. He describes a little bit also his journey and looking at the Islam as a religion and then kind of finding that it's like more ritual than than a faith. Because, yeah, there's a faith that there's a God, but then you're just doing these rituals. Fuad, believers love sharing prayer requests and then love celebrating answered prayers. Asking a Muslim about an answered prayer would probably produce them scratching their head, right? What do you mean by that? Um, not, no, that's a good point. Um, uh, many times, uh, it's been common in the last few years as uh, satellite TV and uh, the Internet has mm-hmm. entered countries like Iran uh, and the Middle East, where countries that the Bible is not accessible. And, you know, we have people calling, saying, Jesus healed this, and, you know. So it's been common. They do something similar. In Iran, there was, uh, there was a lot of uh, people reporting that the Mahdi, which is the imam who's uh, supposed to be coming back, that the Mahdi healed the kids. So you, you find these stories of people say, oh, you know, I prayed here. I went to this mosque, and I did my salat, and I did my appeal saying, Lord, you know, do this. And Allah healed him or or uh, Imam Ali healed him or something like that. So uh, to make to be sure, this, I want to make sure we don't know what happened with them. But you might say something like this. Like, you know, as, as a believer, we ask God for, for answer prayer. And I just want to tell you, God answered prayer on this. Now, if they've had something similar, they might bring it up. They might say, oh, yeah, you know, my, my uncle in, in Tehran went to Qom and he prayed there and and God answered, you know, and I usually say, oh, that's great. You know, uh, prayer, God loves us. God answers prayer all the time. So now your conversation is not about politics or pork or, or movies. Your conversation is moving to prayer. Uh, why does God answer? Uh, is, is God able to answer all prayers? Are there prayers God will not answer? And so so uh, uh, that it's important to know that sometimes there is a... Uh, there's these things that happen in their life that they will attribute to answer the prayer. And, and, and for me, after years of being or talking to Muslims, I, I feel like we should never um, uh, avoid the doors that God opens. Uh, you know, I, I always say, Lord, you open the conversation. And if God opens the conversation, I should not be afraid. Sometimes... I used to be saying, well, I don't want to offend them. Or I would say to myself, well, I'll tell them about Jesus later. But I discovered many times they open the conversation. I mean, it's just amazing how God opens the conversation. They might say something, well, why do you believe the Bible is true? Or, uh, you know, I, I never see Christians pray. Um, and, and we need to seize these opportunities uh, to shine the light to our friends. So glad that you could join us today, Fuad. This has been so interesting, and every time I have you on, I always learn so much, and I know our listeners do too. And everything we talked about, sharing uh, 
our lives with um, Muslim people, it's would it, the same would a lot of it would apply to the lost, the the lost people who live next door to us. Amen. Amen. And you know, we we encourage our just today. Um, brief prayer walk in a Muslim neighborhood, mm-hmm. and we they just they started building a mosque. Um, I mean, the mosque is bigger than whoever is in there, but still, it's okay. I mean, they want to put a building, put a building. Uh, but uh, really, encourage our listeners is to do prayer walking, even if your neighborhood doesn't have Muslims. Just walk in the neighborhood, pray for the homes, pray for couples, pray for children. Uh, we live in a, in a world that's dangerous and. And uh, we don't understand everything that happens in the heavenlies, but Ephesians 6 is clear that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities. And uh, after you read the, the the armor, there is one verse that the Apostle Paul and the, the Holy Spirit there, it doesn't say in armor, it says, and pray. Mm-hmm. And this is the word pray. Uh, um, uh, uh, my pastor in Lebanon, where I grew up, he used to say, in the days of the Roman, they did not have a uh, the, the walkie-talkie, the idea, you know, the the communication. Mm-hmm. Where, where you know, right now we communicate all the soldiers that come in, and, and prayer is our communication yeah. with our power source. Thank you so much, Fuad. The uh, CrescentProject.org is Fuad's website, CrescentProject.org. And thank you, Peter. That wraps up our show for the day. So glad you joined us. I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm looking forward to our time tomorrow. As you put your head on the pillow, know that God is working out his great plan in your life, and he loves you. So do I. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.